It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Who are we most excited to see this upcoming season on a team full of exciting players? We talk about that on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and my name is Jeff Carr. I'm a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan that's turned an addiction to this team into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to join us and talk some Reds with Steve and, and, and myself. Steve will be along in just a moment as well. Lance McAllister from 700 WLW. This is part two of our conversation. If you missed part one, that was yesterday. Did a lot of talk about guys and expectations and things that we have for different pitchers and different hitters and kind of looking forward to that. This episode, we're going to focus on some players that excite us. We're going to look at the Hall of Fame candidacy for Brandon Phillips and a player that the Reds absolutely need to add to the Hall of Fame like three years ago, let alone right now. And then we're going to look way into the future. We're going to get our crystal balls and look and see what the next five years may bring to Cincinnati. That's all coming up on today's Lockdown Reds podcast. We're, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every single day. And we're free and available on all platforms. Make sure that you're following and subscribing because we're going to be with you all throughout the off season. We do have a bit of a truncated schedule now, uh, three to four episodes a week, but if there's breaking news, we will be all over it, and you can trust that we'll have instant reactions and all sorts of great uh, live reaction shows and things like that as we move through the off season. No live Aloha Friday this week, but we will be back next week with you live on Friday at either 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. Eastern time. All right, let's jump into our conversation with Lance. We're going to start who excites us the most? All right, he's back for more, I guess, uh, you know, glutton for punishment or something. I don't know. Uh, Lance is back with us here again today. We, we talked a lot about our expectations for a lot of different players and things like that on yesterday's podcast. If you didn't check it out, make sure you go and check it out. A lot of great discussion there as to how this Reds team will look as we uh, – sort of inch closer to spring training. We're not exactly that close to it, but hey, well, we're in December and we're thinking about baseball and that's always a good thing. Uh, let's let's look for this now because as far as, you know, expectations and projections and things like that, that's a lot of fun. But as we look toward a roster that is full of guys who are so excited, whether you're talking about pitching, whether you're talking about hitting and things like that, who are you guys most excited for? And Lance, I want to start with you. I'm going to go. I've made a case in the previous conversation with CES, and I love him. But Matt McClain to me is such, and I know it's cliche to say he's a gamer, he's a hard nosed guy, but there is such a, a a high IQ aspect of him and an understanding of who he is and what he is, and and for a young guy to to understand who they are and not try to be something they're not, not to try to to be over the top in that and the number of different ways he can help this team from his IQ to his fielding to the pop to the base running abilities to uh, the gap-to-gap power. I, I just think he is such a he, – he's like a uh, an instructional book. If you if you said, give me somebody who could be an instructor, an instructional video to show kids, you, you could 
play up on the screen. Kids, watch Matt McClain just play this game specifically. Don't worry about anybody else in this game. Watch how he runs the bases. Watch how he cuts the corner of the bases going first to third. Um, watch his awareness in the field and the way he positions his body and his movement on the pitch. Watch his plate discipline at the plate and not jumping out of his shoes with two strikes, but shortening up the swing to go the other way. I just marvel at somebody at that age who has a complete and total understanding of the game and the ability to translate it. And man, to think at this age, he's still just scratching the surface of all of it. I, uh, I, I love that. And I can't wait to see him continue to grow. Matt you McClain know, is I, Tom Amansky's favorite red. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, uh, I am in the same place. I, I have been so in on Matt McClain. I, uh, I interviewed him while he was still in the minors and I came away from that conversation, just so impressed with him. And then having watched what he's done uh, since his call up to the big league level, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him as, as that next. And, and I know everybody wants to focus in on Ellie De La Cruz, but, but, I look at Matt McClain as potentially being that next guy that steps up now that Joey Votto has gone, you know, you, you go through these evolutions, right. And, and Barry Larkin was that guy for a long, long time. And then Joey Votto was that guy for a long, long time. And I'm looking at Matt McClain as having the potential to be that next guy. Uh, I, I have kind of tongue in cheek said already put the C on his chest, but if he continues to perform, and be the guy that it looks like he's going to be, maybe that's a real possibility. Maybe he's the next guy to wear that captaincy on his chest and be be the, the on-field leader of this yeah. team uh, as it continues to grow and to develop. As you were saying that, another C word popped into my head, the calm. He plays with a calm, and I think that is so crucial for a young player. He, he will join in celebrations after games, and it's not like you know he walks around with a, a pouty face on, but there is a calm to the, the every day, every at-bat that is so crucial into – you know, that old cliche, you don't want to get too high and too low. There's a flat line to Matt McLean and how he plays, and that's what you need. And and he goes about and does his thing. And the, the beauty of it, it may not be a game where he puts up a bunch. Of, the box score is not exactly full, but you think back and say, man, he made that, he turned that double play, and he took that extra base when he got on with a single in the seventh inning, and he did this. And you, you start thinking about it, you say, add it all up. No wonder they won. He did so many other things to help them win tonight. And that's why the guys like that are gold in Major League Baseball. Just so I, I, I pick somebody different, because I am excited about Matt McClain. But on the position side of things, man, Noel Marte really, really gets me excited. And I know that there's some question about what his role might be on this team, but I firmly believe he has earned the right to at least uh, be – innocent and pro until proven guilty in spring training, whether or not he's going to be the everyday third baseman. I think that he has shown the ability to field the position. Well, uh, the different things that he is able to do with his glove at third base definitely lead me to believe that he could be not just a asset there. Like he is a guy that I could see being a gold glove candidate in his future. But then on top of that, he ended the season on a 16 game hitting streak. He has shown the power. He's shown the speed on the base pass, which is something that surprised us because coming up through the minor leagues, it was said that, yes, he's going to be a good bat, probably an okay glove. Nobody really ever said anything about his base speed and, and his, his base running ability, but he's shown it. He can steal bases very easily. He's got a quick jump and he's a very good mind 
for the game. He shows it on the base pass. He shows it with his glove and he shows it at the plate because even coming up through the minors, he was not a guy that had a high strikeout rate. Now he, he's not a like crazy, like, you know, walk guy. You're not going to see him competing with Juan Soto for the most walks in the league, but you're not going to see him being a huge liability with a strikeout rate either. He is a very smart hitter. And I think that that's something, and we talked about this yesterday with CES, that's something that's going to play through no matter the power, no matter his bat speed. He's always going to have that batter's eye that he can fall back on, which will make any slump that he might deal with a lot shorter than you would expect it. And I think ultimately, I think he's going to surprise Reds fans because I, my sense is their expectations aren't as high because in the pecking yeah. order of everybody who came up, he came up so late. I, I think fans had seen everybody else arrive and thought the best ones arrive first and there's a pecking order. So the inclination was, well, he arrived later on the back end of everybody else, so I'm not going to expect or he must not be as good. I think the more people watching that string to end the season, I think people started to go, well, wait a minute. Maybe he's better than I thought he was going to be just because of he was later than everybody else. The inclination was he's not as good as everybody else. I would caution them to think settle in because you're about to see what Noelle Marte can be, and it's going to be pretty exciting. And he's still eligible for rookie of the year, which uh, that's that's going to be a lot of fun to see if he can uh, pull that off. I've predicted that he will. We'll, we'll see if I'm right. What we haven't really waded into is secondary positions for some of these guys. So I, I think we can might get into that for a second sure. without without going too far afield in case there's some things addressed by the Reds front office. But there's some potential to move some guys into different spots that aren't completely foreign to them, that they at least have had some exposure to that make this lineup just absolutely dangerous. You know, you spend some time talking about CES and how he could be a 30 home run guy. And I think he could be that guy with some appearances out in the outfield. And when we talked about that, that right-handed bat problem, right? For right field and, and what you could do uh, a scenario with Noel V Marte at third Candelario at first and CES playing right field against left-handed pitching makes me salivate. Just how flexible is this reds roster? Well, you could move Ellie. We'll tell you where coming up next. Before we get into that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor that is FanDuel. FanDuel is an awesome way to take advantage of your sports watching experience and really enhance it. They've got great promos right now, especially if you're a new user. You can join today. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and your first $5 money line wager that wins will net you $150 in bonus bets as well. Speaking of that, got a lot of great basketball going on. You got the in-season tournament Pacers, Indiana Pacers if you're a Pacers fan, in the in-season tournament final it's gonna be a lot of fun watching them play against lebron and the lakers you might be able to take advantage of uh, some interesting lines there especially when it comes to tyrese halliburton dude is just absolutely going off for the pacers right now and probably a lot of fun to put some prop bets on Fandle is the best place to do it. They've got prop bets. They've got money lines. They've got over-unders, and they've got point spreads. So many different things. You can also put together single-game parlays to increase your payout. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. New users, $5 money line wagers that win. Get you $150 in bonus bets back. Check out FanDuel today. They are the official partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On. 
Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. If you are not subscribed, make sure you do. We'd love you to become an everydayer. For those of you everydayers out there coming up on tomorrow's show, we have got an episode where we discuss Tyler Stevenson and the catching position, the state of the catching position for the Reds. Steve and I are huge fans of all catchers when it comes to Major League Baseball, and this is going to be a catchers-only episode very excited to talk about some catchers on tomorrow's podcast. So make sure you join us. Make sure you subscribe. That way you don't miss anything we've got coming for you this offseason. We'll be with you all throughout the offseason because we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. All right, let's jump back into our conversation with Lance. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff in a perfect world. And if if we had up on the wall the organizational depth chart, the, the possibilities, if you're Nick Crawl and you're David Bell, you sit back and you look at it and say, this will work. Because the ability to answer what the other team does later in games or from one day to the next, there's a lot of teams who, who don't have answers on their roster, don't have the, the pieces to move around. And I, I said this earlier, and I'll say it again. I, I know there's a faction of fans who want this, the, the eight – Every day, same spot in the order, same spot in the field. It's just not realistic anymore. It's, it's not, not happening. It's not the way the game's played anymore. You want the ability day to day, and if you need inning to inning to answer the matchups and, and and beat their move to the bullpen in the middle of a game, early in a game, late in the game, whatever the case may be. And that's not even factoring in the ability to get guys rest, to get them off their feet and put them at DH one day because you've got an answer coming in behind them to take their position. That is that is the the currency of Major League Baseball today. Flexibility, position flexibility, day to day and depth of your roster. If you don't have it, you're you're behind the eight ball, and the Reds have it, and they're a, ahead of that eight ball as well as uh, position is as most teams or more teams, uh, most teams in Major League Baseball. And to add on to your point, because it's something that you said on your show, and and I've always agreed with this point wholeheartedly. If the Dodgers are doing it everyone else is doing it and dave roberts has one of the the highest uh number of uh, different lineups uh even every year in the league yes and i i know i the, the pushback i get is quit moving guys around because they're making errors i get there is a there there's there's always a built-in um, acceptance when you move guys around spencer steer played five different positions he wasn't great all the time at all those positions. Uh, he misplayed a ball in left field on, I think, a Sunday afternoon in the sun with Wade Mither on the mound for the Brewers, and I think that was one nothing. It was the ball he misplayed that led to the run. It's going to happen, mm-hmm. but there's a give and take, and when you add it all up at the end, all of that flexibility, I, I would think, on the scale, tips it to the Reds' advantage much more, many more times, than it tips it to their disadvantage. I, I think people believe if you're going to do it, you need guaranteed results. You're never going to get that. The flexibility, though, leads to so many other options. It makes it worth doing it, in my mind. And I think many around baseball look at it that way, the give and take and the the uh, the acceptance of the inherent risk at times. It's just the way it is. So there is one guy that I want to throw at you on this flexibility question, because there has been more than one more than one comment to the effect of why don't they put Ellie De La Cruz in center field? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was in reserve. I was thinking, all right, if the guys would allow it, I'm going to ask them about Ellie in the outfield before he even brought it up. And and I, I, can, I can sit on both sides of the table. And on one hand, 
there, there's so much on his plate now about developing and taking the next step, getting settled in and performing on the major league level. Part of me says, don't throw something else on the plate. I get that school of thought. The other school of thought is with somebody who runs as well as he runs, with the athleticism that's probably the best on the team, with the best arm on the team, those combinations, running, athleticism, arm, I would find it impossible. I would reject the notion that he could not play the outfield. I think he'd be a mm-hmm. damn good outfielder. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll give you a Fernando Tatis Jr. as an example that just popped into yeah. my head. Um, I've wondered, I'll, I'll be honest, I've wondered along the way why that hasn't been. I know Nick Crawl has said that's not in the plans. I can only assume it's a one-step-at-a-time thing. Let's get him up here, settled in, start performing, and then maybe we layer his career with that next layer being the outfield. That would be, if I was searching for an answer and had to give one, it would be that, and I would understand that. Yet, potentially, I think he's got everything you would need to be a productive athlete. There's no way. There, there's no way he couldn't play the outfield. Oh, my goodness, he, he's got everything you would need to be an outfielder. You Tatis know, is land, the perfect thing. Perfect thing. You know where, where I land on it, and the reason that I, I'm, I'm not super fond of it is I think right now uh, his strengths l- lend to him staying in his position. Mm-hmm. And, and for the reasons you said as well, don't, over, don't, don't overload his plate. I'm a little reluctant to put him out there because I'm having Ken Griffey Jr. thoughts and I see a whole lot of him crashing into walls and climbing over walls and and trying to be the Superman that he is, uh, potentially leading to the same kind of results that Ken eventually found, which is the wall is hard and it hurts you. So I, I don't know that I necessarily want to put him out there while he's young and brash and thinks he's indestructible, uh, but I think ultimately his body type might force you to do it. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I, as you were saying, outfield wall, I, I defaulted to the number of times at at, at second base, turning the, the the double play, the pivot, um, the, the risk slides into him, legs taken mm. out. That that mm-hmm. concern. Um, I even I, I I don't like when he slides head first on steals. I don't like hands being extended. I want him to go feet Dang. first, and that that's another thing. So yeah, anything I, I want to I, I like want to bubble wrap him because I want to fifty games of LA <laughs> Cruz, and I don't want to think outfield walls or collisions at second base. No, I'm 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 with you there, but I always default to he's Superman. You put yeah. him in any position. I believe you put him at catcher. I think you'd figure that out. Um, I, but I, I love as it. you say as you say that. If I had a dollar for everybody at some point last season, says, "Well, the bullpen's taxed. Why don't you just let Ellie pitch?" And I'm like, oh. <laughs> "Well, I mean." See, they, they added plenty of depth there with Pagan and with Martinez, yeah. and they even brought Alex Blandino back on a minor league deal. Yes. Uh, but um, <laughs> let's uh, let's pivot a little bit because one of the things that I, I wanted to discuss with you because he's on the the Hall of Fame ballot, and we're going to look back here at Brandon Phillips, but he's on the Hall of Fame ballot for Cooperstown. Don't necessarily know how well that's going to play out. I don't think he got a vote, but. He's going to be on the Reds Hall of Fame ballot, and I think that's a shoe-in, probably unanimous, that he gets put into the Reds Hall of Fame. Looking at what Brandon Phillips meant to this team, has there been a second baseman? And Matt McClain, Jonathan India, we, we kind of have a chance to maybe see somebody who could be comparable to him, but has there been a second baseman since Brandon Phillips that we've that we've even thought of to be anywhere near his level? 
No, the, the combination of power and the and the defense, and to think of how they got him in the trade and and the expectations yeah. of who who did they get? I mean, it, it, I I remember that when, when that trade happened, there it was like, okay, what else happened in Reds news? Because there was no reason to believe the Indians had given up on him at the time, and there was no reason to believe he'd become what he became. But to me. His arm at the second base position, the feeling in combination with the strength of his arm at second base, it was just, it was a joy to watch. The the range and the the arm strength, and oh, by the way, he would steal bases and hit home runs, and oh, by the way, he'd do it with a smile on his face and and some relish on the hot dog move that night. It was just, <laughs> I mean, it, it, was, it was magical, and that big smile, it was just the package that made it impossible to not say... That dude, I love that dude. You know, the thing you hit on, Lance, and for Brandon Phillips, it not only was he electric and had these moments, but he consistently was electric and he consistently had these moments. Uh, there's been a lot of guys come along. Jeff, you mentioned a few of them. You know, there were there were a, a couple days there where Derek Dietrich, you know, electrified the city. And there were a couple days there where Scooter Jeanette electrified the city. But but Brendan Phillips electrified the city for a decade and was consistently good in that process. 191 home runs as a member of the Cincinnati Reds, 194 stolen bases as a member of the Cincinnati Reds. So it was that combination things we talked about just a little while ago, Lance with the, the stolen base and the speed being able to, to lend itself in a game where maybe everybody's just not quite feeling it and you can't wait for the home run. And, and there needs to be a spark. And, and Brandon Phillips was that spark. And, How and good would he have been on this roster? Oh, man. Oh, it, it just – he would fit right in because yeah. this this is an entire roster of that type of production. The the For every home run you hit, you go and steal a base. For every, for every time the guy next to you hit a home run and steals a base, you go make the diving catch and the, and the throw to get the runner by a half a step. And all – that's what this team is, and I think – it's a culmination of all of those feelings and all of that energy yep. and, and seeing it in a lineup top to bottom uh, of that type of Brandon Phillips electricity. It's great. It, it, I never really made that connection until having this conversation that a lot of these guys play with that kind of enthusiasm. And the other word I'll toss in is swagger. He had, if you've got yes. swagger, if you're Nick Castellanos who stands over a Cardinal and flexes at home plate, people love that. When Brandon Phillips walked up to Yadier Molina and tapped him on the shin guard and it was on and the bench is emptied, it was that type of stuff where Brandon had made the the quote, the famous quote to Hal McCoy the night before that stirred up the Cardinals. It was that swagger. Did he rub some people the wrong way? Absolutely. Was there an element of if he was on the other team, you hated him? If he was on your team, you loved him? Absolutely. And that that's part of the kind of the, the chemistry of what uh, you kind of stir around for a Reds fan and say, do you like this? And they like that for Brandon Phillips. Speaking of the Reds Hall of Fame, there is a player who has been omitted from the Reds Hall of Fame, and there's no reason as to why. We'll explain coming up next. Before we jump into that, wanted to let you know, you can follow the show in between episodes. You can follow uh, at Lockdown Reds on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. And you can bookmark InsideTheReds.com. Steve, myself, uh, James Rapine, Rick Uccino, and Austin Elmore all writing about your Cincinnati Reds. So you can get us in. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you about the Reds here on Lockdown Reds. We'll uh, write about the Reds. You can read about the Reds over at InsideTheReds.com. We got Reds content just out the wazoo. 
out the wazoo. So make sure you check it out. All right, let's finish up our conversation with Lance. So with the, well, we'll call it a shoe in I mean, he's going to be in the Reds Hall yeah. of Fame, and he's going to be elected this year. Uh, th- there's also another guy who uh, probably should have been elected to the Reds Hall of Fame a long time ago. When will we get Reggie Sanders into the Hall of Fame? You know, he is one of the most, he's one of the most underrated players. I, I would argue one of the more underrated players in not just Reds history, baseball history. And, and so much of him is viewed by fans here is just the struggles against the Braves in the playoffs in 95. And they look and say, well, he struck out, whatever, 19 times, 21 times, whatever it was in the series. And that's what they reduce Reggie Sanders to. You look at his numbers. Look, look at the number MVP of stuff. Yes, the, the number of 20 home run plus seasons for the number of different teams, the number of homers and stolen bases, the exclusive company. I guarantee you, most Reds fans, if you ask them about Reggie Sanders, would mention the strikeouts in that playoff series. And if you told them, go look at his baseball reference page, if you gave him a blind resume and you had him look at it and then said, who do you think that is? You could give him 47 guesses before they'd ever <laughs> think of Reggie Sanders. And then they say, no way, that's not Reggie Sanders. But it is. He had a damn good career. And that 95 season, I, I mean, he, yeah, he had MVP votes that year. Like, I, I just think it's so it's so crazy how you're right. It's like that small sample. We, we talked about it a lot on yesterday's podcast. The yep. small sample seems to dictate what everybody feels about a guy. And I mean, and, and, and on top of that, immaculate grid, like all star, easy, <laughs> easy guess on immaculate grid. But I, I just think, and and I'm not, I'm certainly not the first person, but I better not be the last person to be like, dude, let's get him in the Reds Hall of Fame already. It's far past time. I, I've continued to speculate that there's some behind the scenes problem that, that, that continues to block him from the Hall of Fame because for the Reds Hall of Fame, because it simply doesn't make sense. Uh, in eight seasons with the Cincinnati Reds, OPS plus of 118. So for his time, as a member of the Reds, he was 18% better than league average. During that time, he had 125 home runs, stole 158 bases, add an additional 346 walks to his resume that produced a slash line total in those eight years, 271, 353, 476. Uh, how he's not in consideration, how he's overlooked where we're scratching our head going, well, you know, we're going to put Danny Graves in this year, and then I don't know what we're going to do from here. It makes no sense. And, you know, we've talked to our buddy Cam Miller about this. He's he's pro. He's on Team Reggie with us. Uh, maybe we just need to be a little more vocal as fans and as, as, as people that love this team and, and really ensure that he gets the proper, you know, voices behind him to get him in this time. There's no good reason for him to not be in the Red Sox. You know what's interesting is, is you mentioned it. I don't know that I recall Reggie Sanders being back for a Reds fest. Which, which, which is strange. Maybe mm. I've missed him over the years, but think of all the time that I, I don't recall him being back for an event, for a signing, for Reds Fest, mm. um, ceremonies with others who have gone in. I don't know if you guys do either. And, and maybe, I don't know, he, maybe he played for so many teams, he's just not viewed as, maybe he's viewed as more like the vagabond who, who's played everywhere and, isn't remembered specifically for what he did with the Reds. I, I, I don't know, but I, I think it's a great point. He's just, he hasn't been on the radar around here for some reason. I've not, I, I cannot draw up a memory of seeing his name yeah. on a marquee at Reds Fest. Yeah. That's a, yeah. uh, yeah. that, no, and that's, if, but if you look at his, if you look at his career, uh, uh, 
you're right. He was quite the journeyman, but of, of those journeys, eight years in Cincinnati, he was in no other place more than two seasons, two seasons in Kansas city, two in St. Louis, one in Arizona, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Atlanta, and San Diego, all one season stops. So when you take that career, when you look at all of his, his overarching career totals, and then you look at what he did as a member of the, of the reds, he is a Cincinnati red. So you're right. I, I maybe, maybe part of the problem, maybe Reggie needs to kind of shoehorn his way in there a little bit and, and be at some of these events. But I, I, I just really have felt like it's been an unfair disservice to him because as, as you said, Lance, all that anybody ever wants to talk about when you mention his name is that postseason performance. And it's, it's really not fair to what he did during his time in the city. Yeah, I, I would ask anybody watching right now who's rolling their eyes, just do this. Just go to Baseball Reference, type in Reggie Sanders, pull up his career, pull up the comps to other players, and I think the you you would jump into the chat and say, you guys were right. He had, he had a hell of a career, and I didn't, I didn't think it was that good. It was. So we've had some fun looking back. Let's uh, let's put on our, our prognostication hats and let's look forward. I know that we are all very, very good at looking into the future and using our crystal balls here. Um, but when we talk about five years down the road, because I feel as though Nick Crawl has made statements that lend us to believe that they are trying to operate more like the Tampa Bay Rays. There are players on this team that we want to see spend their career here, but they won't five years down the road. Number one, have we won a playoff series? Number two, who's been given contract extensions aside from Hunter green and number three, is this still a, uh, a more, you know, a reds town? Is this a Bengals town? Where are we looking at in five years when it comes to all that? All right. Off the top of my head, I'll go five years from now. We're going to be saying, um, I, I man, how about Rhett Louder has one Cy Young. Can he win a second? We're going to be saying, how about Arroyo in the all-star uh, season he had? And we're going to be saying, I think I would extend Cam Collier and lock him up for years mm. to come because that kid has MVP and he won't be as much of a kid at that point. Uh, those are three names that come to mind right away. When Cam Collier gets here, I, uh, I I just can't wait. I don't know what the ETA is, but uh, mark me down for a seat to watch uh, Cam Collier and what's ahead for him. I like that. And, and I like the Rhett Louder pick too. That's, that's very interesting to me. Yeah. I, I'll say this. And, and, and Lance, I want you to know that this, this whole premise that Jeff does here is a trap. Because no, he, I do. Always, he uses this five-year thing to get me to say things that will just tick everybody off. And he knows <laughs> it. And that's why he does it. But the answer to the question is they will have signed two more extensions on top of the Hunter Green extension for within the next five years. Uh, Matt McClain is going yep. to get himself an extension. He's oh. going to be the, the position player that they keep around. They're not going to be able to keep Ellie. Ellie is going to be a towards the end of the, the five-year mark. It's going to be like the Shohei Otani circus with the shopping and the potential trading. Uh, that's what's going to happen. And it, I, I don't want that to happen, but that's what's going to happen. And then as far as that second extension, I think we have yet to see the player that plays into getting that extension. Uh, maybe it's your guy, Noel V. Marte. Maybe mm-hmm. we're talking about Spencer Steer being another long-term person on this roster. Uh, that, that one has yet to be earned. As far as playoff series goes, Jeff, the Cincinnati Reds are going to win the World Series within the next five years. It is going to happen. Write it down, book it, 
it will happen. Is this going to be a Reds town or a Bengals town? It's going to be a coin flip because Joe Burrow is going to take this team and win a Super Bowl. <laughs> so in the next yes. five years, in the next five years, folks, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win a championship. The Cincinnati Reds are going to win a championship. And in this town, for the first time in a long time, is going to be flying high on its sports world and the woe is me doom and gloom. We're going to lose. They're going to leave. They're just going to trade on people who have finally been won over guys. Can you imagine what just flashed into my head? I'm picturing a scene on fountain square where Matt McClain is holding up the world series trophy. Joe Burrow is holding up the super bowl trophy and Lucho Acosta is holding up the, the uh, MLS cup. And it's going to be yes. a high celebration in the city of Cincinnati where schools will be closed, businesses will be shut down, and declarations of the whole week to party will be on in the city of Cincinnati. How's that? We'll really appreciate Lance getting uh, taking some time to talk with us about the Reds and kind of giving us uh, his take on what the offseason has been so far and looking forward to what next season is going to be. But that'll do it for us here today. Make sure you remember, tomorrow we are talking about catching, talking about Tyler Stevenson, why we think he's going to bounce back. We'll look at Luke Maley, why he's the best backup catcher in all of baseball, and what could the uh, Reds' catching position be in five years? Talk about the five-year thing. We'll look at catching in five years. That's on tomorrow's podcast. Best way to not miss it is to subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcasting app and right here on YouTube. Make sure you click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you as well because we will be with you all throughout the offseason because we are locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.